recorded live from the lobby of the Lion Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Welcome to the Big Life Podcast on Full Service Radio. Every week on The Big Life, Ingrid and I hold inspiring and honest conversations with experts, leaders, and holistic professionals who live and help others live big, fulfilling lives by redefining success, beauty, health, and happiness. The Big Life is a provoking invitation to mindset shift and gives you the tools to go from stressed and overwhelmed to happy and thriving. I am Lina Salazar, a health coach and creator of the Food Sanity Program, and I work with women who want to feel healthy in the body and the mind without diets, obsession, or stress. Ingrid will be back next week. Also, for the foreseeable future, Ingrid and I will be recording these episodes remotely, so please bear with us. Today's episode is very important to me personally and to the community I work with. The coronavirus is disrupting everyone's lives in different ways and intensities. And it is particularly challenging for those who suffer from an eating disorder. When you have or are recovering from an eating disorder, having a structure, a routine, and permanent support and connection is extremely important to stay centered and sane. I know this very well because I had an eating disorder for almost 20 years of my life. While they are necessary, very necessary, the measures taken to prevent the spread of the virus, like social distancing and staying at home orders, can have a detrimental effect on those recovering from an eating disorder. In today's episode, I want to raise awareness about the challenges that the coronavirus raises for people with eating disorders or anyone who struggles with food and body image. I will also give listeners who struggle with food, their families and friends, tools and resources to stay afloat amidst this situation. And no one better to help us do this than my friend Christy Dondero. Uh, she's the executive director for Rock Recovery, a Washington, D.C.-based nonprofit that does wonderful work helping people overcome disorder eating by combining clinical and community care. Christy, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the Big Life Podcast. Thanks, Lena. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, this is, this, I am excited to have you here because this is such an important an important topic um, nowadays. And yeah, why don't we start absolutely. by tell? Why don't you tell us briefly what Rock Recovery is, and also how did you end up leading this organization? Sure. So Rock Recovery has been around for eleven years, and I always say I didn't found, I didn't birth Rock Recovery, but I adopted it. So in some ways, <laughs> I think I got the easier end of the deal. I've been involved for about ten years, so I got involved a year after it was founded by a wonderful woman named Carrie Larson, who's an organizational psychologist and. Carrie has recovered from an eating disorder, and so am I, which is what really drew me to this organization. And Carrie had an experience that a lot of people have when they're seeking recovery, where she kind of fell through the cracks. She wasn't, quote unquote, so sick that she needed to go to full-time care or to a hospital or do really intensive programming. But when she was living at home amidst daily triggers and all the hard things of daily life, she couldn't quite make progress on her own. And she realized a lot of people are in this place, and there weren't programs that existed for people in this place. And if there were, if there were, they were few and far between and completely out of cost range for most people and not covered by insurance. 
so that's how Rock Recovery was born. It was just out of this huge need for people to have supportive care in the outpatient space. So we run programs that include meal support. We eat meals with our clients, with clinicians. We have group therapy, mentorship, chaplaincy, and all kinds of other wraparound services to help people live their daily life and become free from their eating disorder or body image issue or kind of anything in between. Yeah, I, I, that's why I love the work that you guys do because you sort of like cover or serve these these these, let's say, segment of the population with eating disorders who kind of have access, right, to to all these more uh, high-end services. Um, yep, and absolutely. so you had an eating disorder you just shared with us, and, and you are very, you and your team know better than anyone how disruptive this situation, the coronavirus, uh, is for people with disorder eating and eating disorders. So why don't you tell us a little bit of what are the biggest impacts or obstacles that you're seeing come up within the community? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, it's hard to recover from an eating disorder. Our whole thing is freedom is possible, recovery is possible, but it's tough. And for people who have really clinically diagnosable eating disorders and for people who just sort of have a tough relationship with food, this is sort of the perfect storm of tough environmental factors. You know, you you're isolated from people who might typically support you. And yes, we have great technological advances where we can do video chats and phone chats, but it's different to do that than to sit down in the flesh with somebody, right? So there's a lot of isolation and food has become this really interesting thing. You know, the grocery stores, like the Hunger Games, right? And some of the things you might normally get aren't there anymore. And so for people with disordered eating, often you kind of think of, okay, what are my safe foods? What are the things I get at the store every week? And if you go to the store and one of those things isn't there, it can really throw you for a loop because it's scary to then think about a replacement food or what am I going to do? So routines are disrupted, social supports disrupted, and general eating patterns are disrupted. And then, of course, exercise also. Gyms are closed and we can go for walks and go outside. But a lot of people struggle with exercise addiction and in addition to disordered eating. And so that can be really tough, too. So you know, there's, there's just a lot of go, a lot of hard things going on. The good news is a lot of people have really shifted and pivoted to hopefully help meet this need for people at home in this unique time. But there's still a lot of challenges for people that are really, really ramping up a lot of fear, uncertainty, anxiety. And for a lot of people, disordered eating is rooted in control and coping. And, you know, right now you can't control so many other things. So it's easy to kind of turn to something that you can quote unquote control, which is sometimes food for people. Yeah, I like what you said about, I like that you you raised that uh, issue about control because I, I mean, I've been working with clients and I'm holding also these like group sessions with former clients and, and sort of like the women's reflection group. And that has come up a lot. The, the, the idea that it seems like all of the chaos is, is basically, it's, it's equivalent to not being in control. And when that happens, we we go back into old patterns, right? Which is like, how do I control my body? How do I control uh, my weight? How do I control the food I eat? And um, so, so this food and body fixation, it's also a way to escape boredom, anxiety, uncertainty. It's, um, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a way of controlling our environment. Um, you, also, you also mentioned, for example, you talk about disorder eating and eating disorders. And for me, that's always something very important to highlight because while this episode is called Quarantine with an Eating Disorder, I don't want people who don't have eating disorders, who don't identify with an eating disorder, to, to not think that this could help them. 
Um, why don't you talk to us a little bit about the differences between eating disorder and disorder eating or the gray lines, let's say, and how Absolutely. this issue can be impacting both of these, let's say, sides of the spectrum. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think this time is bringing up some disordered eating that had kind of been lying under the surface for people. I think this season is really kind of bringing it to the forefront and showing someone, wow, I thought I just liked to work out, but turns out I might be really, you know, too, too into my exercise that my whole day was ruined when I couldn't go to the gym. And that seems like, huh, I didn't realize that was that much of a problem for me before, right? So this time is really bringing up for people things that have probably been lurking under the surface for a really long time. And, you know, we always say disordered eating, eating disorder, we use the terms interchangeably a lot, because you don't have to have a intense anorexia or bulimia or binge eating for food to cut you off from your relationships and your mental health and your well being, you know, any aspect where you're not really listening to your body and fueling your body and caring for your body, you know, that's disorder and that's harmful to your health emotional, physical, and, and, and mental and otherwise. So I think it's easy too for people if they if they can look at someone and say, oh, well, I don't look like that, or I don't have this body type. Clearly, I don't have an eating disorder. I'm fine. And, and even still, I think our society has these stereotypes and these misconceptions of what an eating disorder is. And so I think it's really important to say someone in any size body, any shape body can have an eating disorder and can have disordered eating, right? So you can't just look at somebody and tell the whole story from someone's body. There's lots of things that happen, um, illnesses and pregnancies and different changes that changes people's bodies. And sometimes it's just genetic. So the one thing I'd say is with disordered eating, we use that term because we don't want people to think, oh, this isn't quote unquote bad enough for me to get help. This isn't bad enough for me. I'm not as sick as some people, so I must be fine. Because again, any any kind of behavior that's disordered that hurts your relationships of your, or your health is worth really working on. And we live in a culture that is really disordered. And Lena, you and I use this term a lot, diet culture. That might, everyone uh -huh. might not be familiar with that term, right? But uh -huh. we do live in a culture obsessed with dieting, obsessed with thinness. So for the majority of us, there is some disordered eating going on that has been normalized by our society, right? Correct. That's, we have internalized. That's sort of like the social codes, right? It's the, the yeah. green fat, uh, always aiming for thinness, always aiming for weight loss, for a specific way of eating. It's sort of like these, these fixation, fixation on healthism, right? This idea that that health is like a, like a moral value and a moral mandatory uh, objective. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about diet culture. Uh, I'm sure you, because I have obviously, have witnessed how much of diet culture is dominating, for example, memes or jokes or on social media, right? And so how is diet culture showing up these days with more intensity, uh, affecting people's recovery or affecting people's relationship with food? Oh my gosh, it's such a good question. So yeah, I, th and I think it goes back to that control thing too, right? Like people are really in some ways fear mongering and kind of pushing their product and pushing their things on people because they know it'll, it'll hit their sensitivities. And for a lot of us, you know, we can't control our bodies. So all these exercise videos that I've gotten and, you know, I love working out. I'm recovered now and I feel like it's super healthy for me to have an active lifestyle and it's ebbed and flows over the years, but that's totally fine. But I've seen a ton more uptick on videos being pushed at me, people saying you have to stay active, you have to stay in shape, you have to do these things, or you have to use this time to get in shape, you know, if you 
if this is a perfect time for you to get that goal weight and get your exercise regimen and get your eating under control and all these things. And it's, you know, why we think it would work now when it hasn't worked in the other 365 days of the year, I don't know. But these messages are definitely getting louder. And I think it's because advertisers and people know, you know, this fear is turning us toward new products and things that make us feel safe and make us feel acceptable and in control. And so we've definitely seen a lot of uptick of that. And, you know, bodies change for lots of reasons during life. Sometimes you might gain weight over the holidays because that's normal. Maybe it's cold outside. It's dark outside. Maybe you're walking less. Maybe you're eating a little more because holiday stuff. And like, that's normal. That's fine. It all ebbs and flows. But and same thing goes with this. Being at home, you'll probably be a little less active. You might eat a little differently. Your body might change, but it's temporary and it's okay. But diet culture is telling you your worth is tied to your number on your scale or your looks or your athletic performance. And it's just a hard lie to untangle and separate. Yeah, definitely. I, I actually had a post recently about like the importance of accepting that these moment may feel very gray and sort of like tangled up and that and being okay with that being okay with that messiness of the moment right now it's okay to rest it's okay to eat more it's okay to weigh gain weight it's okay to be uh, sleep more or be quote unquote unproductive so those things are well but I also like highlighting and I would love your take on this the fact that I mean a lot of this content is um well intended right and some of these some fitness instructor or fitness studios, that's their job, right? And they, they legitimately love what they do. So I think that while we cannot control the content that's thrown at us, it's our role is to focus on the things we can control, right? Or the things that we can be in charge of, which is uh, maybe telling the difference between is the is like this working workout making me make, gonna make me feel good or is this my way of avoiding stillness or avoiding boredom or avoiding anxiety, right? So it's yeah. more yeah like I encourage always my clients they said you cannot control the content what you can control is your reaction to it or how that interferes with your emotional physical and mental well being. Yeah. I love that. And I think, and you're totally right. You know, exercise can be good. I totally understand these small businesses that need to stay afloat and need to keep their product going. I totally agree. And I think my sensitivity is always to people who are just going to be harmed by the messages, right? It says a different thing. But I do think there is a lot of good to, to being active, you know, to getting your endorphins, to keeping a routine. Like there can be so much good that comes out of this too. But the question to ask yourself is what's the, what's fueling my workout? What's behind it? Is it the thing that I'm doing to feel in control? And I love the idea. I forget who came up with this. A lot of people have used it like Glennon Doyle and others about the easy button. You know, are you hitting the easy button to feel better, whether it be food, drink, exercise, whatever, like what's the thing you're turning to? Is it you just kind of hitting the easy button to feel better or is it coming from a a good, healthy kind of um, a different kind of place like that? Yeah, it's like what place is it coming from? The motivation. I, I love that. And I and I do want to send a message to people out there that these memes and jokes about weight gain during the quarantine and how tight my pants are or whatever, those can be triggering for many people out there, right? You don't have to have like a publicly, let's say, display eating disorder. You can have a complicated relationship with food and find those very triggering. So I think that's a key message to send out um, to to our listeners. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who are just tuning, tuning in, 
We are talking to Christy Dondero, the executive director for Rock Recovery, a Washington, D.C.-based nonprofit that helps people overcome disorder eating. And as I said at the beginning, this episode is meant to raise awareness about the challenges that the coronavirus raises for people with eating disorders or anyone who struggles with food and body image. And Christy, during the first part, we talked about sort of like the, the challenges that the coronavirus, social distancing, a, it's raising for people who struggle with food. And so in this in the second sh- uh, part section of the show, we like giving our listeners tools, resources, and, and practical tools. So let's say, given your experience with your, your clients and also your own personal experience, what are your top three suggestions for people who struggle with food? Yeah, that's such a good question. And it's interesting, you know, my three suggestions in quote unquote normal days are kind of my same three suggestions that I'll give today with a little bit of a modification. So I always say for me personally in my recovery, there were three things that really got me well, my community, my people around me, so my family, my friends, my support system, my experts, so my clinicians, my coaches, my therapists, all of those different people that came on my team. And then really my identity, my values, my beliefs, my faith, those kinds of things came together. The questions of who am I? What am I about? What gives me value? Those kinds of three pillars helped in recovery. And the same thing's true right now, even during these times, you know, right? We can still turn to our community. It's going to look different. We'll be doing more virtual things and phone calls, but just being intentional with reaching out for support and being intentional, reaching out to support other people in areas where you know they have need can be really helpful just to remember you're not alone. You are connected. One of the greatest lies I think that eating disorders tell people is that you're alone and there's no one who cares for you and there's no one who's here for you. And that's just not true. You know, Rock Recovery is here for people. I'm here for people. You know, you're here for people. I people am, aren't yeah. alone, right? So this is just not true. Um, the second piece being the experts, right? Like we should keep up our our appointments with our therapists, our appointments with our people. If you don't have a therapist, now's a great time to, to find one. A lot of people have moved to telehealth. And, you know, what else are you doing <laughs> besides probably watching more Netflix and doing all the other things, right? So it's a great time if, to either reach out to your support system of experts that you have in your life or creating some new ones because this takes people who really understand the the issue and the disease and the illness. And we haven't really spoken to this yet, but eating disorders are a mental illness, right? So there's genetic yeah. factors, biological, environmental. I mean, it's a biopsychosocial illness is what we often say. So, you know, there's a lot of different factors that come for that. And then that third suggestion is giving yourself space and time to think about what you value and who you are. I'm oddly grateful for my recovery from my eating disorder. I'm grateful for my struggle, even though I struggled for over 10 years. I feel like when I went through recovery, it gave me a chance to tear down the whole house. I kept some studs, I kept some wood, I kept some of the foundation, but then I got to rebuild and think about who I was, what I valued, what I believed. And now's a great time to start reflecting on that, feeding yourself with good books, good podcasts like this one. You know, there's lots of different things that you can do to just kind of fuel yourself and care for yourself, like emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, all the rest. Yeah. I like what you said about um, the isolation, right? You know, I, I read this piece from a former recovery client, drug recovery client on BuzzFeed that said mm-hmm. and she wrote that eating disorders thrive in silence and there is nothing 
<laughs> as true as that, because and especially this time of isolation is particularly hard. So that one, staying connected, even if it's virtually and being very intentional, that's a key word for me, being very intentional about it. Um, it's very important right now. And yep, also, as you absolutely. said, the, the content that you consume, right? Our mind can easily like spiral down into into scrolling on social media, then reading the news, then checking other stuff. That that's definitely not good for our well being, especially right now. And and how about for families, like families and friends or partners of of those who are struggling with food issues? What would you say to them? Is there any particular advice? Yeah, you know. I just listened to one of Brene Brown's new podcasts right before this one, and it was just so inspiring and so helpful. She talked a lot about empathy and the the lie that relationships are 50-50, you know, that they're always equally split. And it can be tough because all of us right now feel pressed. All of us feel like we're not at 100% for various reasons. But for those who have loved ones struggling with an eating disorder, I really just want to remind you to have compassion and empathy for them because this is everything sort of at high volume that is hard and scary and challenging. And so your loved one's percentage base is maybe a little bit lower than it normally is as far as capacity, as far as maybe even kindness. I know I get really snippy when I'm scared or anxious, you know, so there can be a lot of tough things where you're, you're depleted, right? So I think just remembering to have compassion and empathy. And yes, there are people who have it harder than us right now. And it's important to remember that and to care for other people. But it's also important to validate, like, it's hard to have an eating disorder, even if you're healthy, even if you're at home, even if you still have your job and you're teleworking, it's still hard. So I think having that compassion and empathy and asking, how can I support you? You know, there's a fine line between becoming the babysitter or the cheerleader or the supporter. And for parents with younger children, the model that we use for eating disorders is family-based treatment. And that really is kind of more of you're the coach, you're the parent, you're the babysitter, like you're kind of all of it. You're really helping your kids refeed. If your roommate has an eating disorder or your partner, that looks a little bit different than when you're a parent. And so there's actually a great book that just came out called Loving, I think Loving Someone with an Eating Disorder by Dr. Dana Heron for partners of people with eating what disorders. Is it, what is it again? Sorry, I, I, Lo- I missed it. Yeah, please. Loving, loving Someone with an Eating Disorder, I think is what okay. it's called by Dr. Dana Heron. Oh, yeah, I know her. Yeah, she's lovely, right? And it's one of the first books for partners, not just for parents, because it's going to be different for you to support a loved one or even a roommate, you know, romantic relationships, one thing, but even just a peer is really different. So asking how can I help, you know, checking in for accountability, eating meals with people, texting your friends, you know, are struggling, calling them, telling them you're thinking about them, praying for them, whatever it might be, just really being intentional, again, that intentional world being intentional with them and reaching out to help them remember they're not alone and offering your support in a boundaried way that's appropriate and helpful. Yeah. And I am sure I bet that, that, that being a partner of someone or a mother or the father of someone who's struggling with an eating disorder or with food teaches you at the same time or allows you to explore your own relationship with food. Right. So I bet it's, um, it's an interesting moment. Um, Absolutely. I, I would love to I would love to add from my own experience have, like struggling having had struggled with an eating disorder um, in terms of like what let's say helps me right now or, or what helped me in the past when like in times of crisis and it's always 
like first of all acknowledging that the the situation might not be as structured or as as organized as as I would want it to be and and let's say that I'm thinking of like okay if if it cannot be my original plan what's my plan b how does mm. my plan b look like and what are like things that i know help me feel good and centered and that's what i like with my clients when i talk to them i call it my sanity list Right. And what are those like three things that I know will help me stay centered? Like maybe it's walks, maybe it's like ha- taking like, uh, you know, good quality sleep and maybe it's um, I don't know, breathing in the morning or something like that. So what are those three things that, you know, are your basics, the things that you want to stick to no matter what? And that what's your plan B sort of right that that helped me. And, and that has to do a lot with with self-care. Like, how do I care for myself with a lot of self-compassion right now? And and that necessarily removes this gremlin that's permanently criticizing myself for not doing this or not doing that or not eating that way or not exercising as much, etc. So it's sort of like taming that gremlin that attacks us um, when, when we are hearing these voices, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's all great tips. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I know you mentioned it at the beginning a little bit, but I would want our listeners to know uh, how is Rock adapting to serving the community right now? Like how has your offering changed? Yeah. So it's been really an interesting time for us at Rock. We've definitely adapted our program. So all of our clinical programs have moved online to a telehealth HIPAA compliance system. And it's been going really well with our current clients transitioning um, you know, it's adding some different variables for people. So one of our programs is a three hour long therapy group and dinner meal support where normally we go to our office in Arlington, Virginia, or go to a different location in DC and eat a meal together and process together in person where we provide the meal. But now we're having our clients kind of come in from their own homes and bringing their own meal to the, to the table. So we really think that healing happens around the table and breaking bread is a huge part of that. So we're still breaking bread. It just looks a little bit different since okay. it's virtual, virtual not bread. the same meal. Virtual bread, it's working. Um, so that's been really interesting. But basically, we've moved everything online. And it's helping us to think about we're a small nonprofit. We're just in the D.C. area right now. We've always wanted to be nationwide. And we're trying to figure out, you know, how to fundraise and how to grow and how to scale. But virtual really opens up the doors for us to serve more people, at least across state lines without having to have the brick and mortar and having that higher cost. So we're looking at starting some programs that'll be offered across the states of Virginia and Maryland, in addition to the district, that could be virtual long term, even after this ends, and we're back together in person at our office in Arlington, we want to be able to still meet the need of the community. And then the hope would be that we continue to expand across the nation in different states as time goes on. So it's been exciting. You know, our programs are really unique for rock recovery. There isn't a lot out there like us and we know there's a big need for it. And so we're excited to see what the redemption is that comes from this really strange and unpredictable time. Well, I'm I'm definitely excited and looking forward to see how that looks because I think that has a lot of potential and it's definitely necessary and needed in the community. So I'm excited about that. Christy. Yeah, that's too. I think we've covered it all, but before we wrap up, I would want to to know if there's anything else you would want to raise or talk about uh, that's, let's say, relevant for the for the community. 
Yeah, I think a couple different things. So we talked about intentionality. I, I, I also think I just want people to know that it's never too late to try, right? It's never too late to do the next right thing. And for recovery, a lot of people we work with have struggled with dieting or disordered eating or, you know, anorexia for decades. And it's, it's easy to believe the lie of, oh, it's not worth changing. Can this ever really be different? It's just the way it is. And I just want to encourage anybody that, you know, it's not too late to change. There is hope for you. And there are resources out there for you that could really help you along this journey because Every day you try and take a step forward in recovery, it, it moves you further along than where you were yesterday. And it's not a perfect process. You know, perfectionism is something I know yeah. you've talked about before on this podcast. And it's something that can be really hard to battle, but you don't have to do it perfectly, but you just have to do the next right thing. And um, one thing that I'm really learning right now, generally, you know, so I'm recovered from an eating disorder, but I still struggle with anxiety and general, you know, life things. And I've had to really practice being flexible and thinking, okay, okay, I'm going to make a plan and I'm going to hold it loosely and I'm going to be open to if things change, not throwing a temper tantrum and not trying to panic, but being like taking a deep breath and redirecting and kind of reassessing and, and moving in a new direction. So it's been good for me professionally to think about how we can serve more people with our therapy groups and individual therapy and all the rest. But it's also been good for me personally to think about how do I live in my 500 square foot apartment with my husband right now and have us both not lose our minds? And what does it look like to make new routines and, and yet still be okay when the routine we try to craft changes. And that flexibility seems to be really, really critical to building resilience. Yeah, I think that's a very valuable point and, and reminds me of my own experience because I think that most, if not all people who suffer from, from an eating disorder or struggle with food, we tend to be very perfectionist, right? We are like black mm -hmm. or white. So, so I do think, as you said, as you say, that maybe this is a moment to train ourselves into being flexible, to learning to adapt and to be okay with, with, with the plant that being as, as, as we wanted it to be. So I definitely value that idea of flexibility. Um, and, uh, so now Christy, while these are very hard, disruptive times for everyone, especially for, like for some people more than others, we can always find joy and light. And Ingrid and I always like, so like ending the show with, on a, with a bright, on a bright note. So I want to know what is bringing you joy these days? That's a great question. I think the thing that's bringing me joy these days is just connection and remembering to stay connected to the people that I love. My church has been doing morning and evening prayer, and it's been really sweet to see people's faces and on their in their living rooms versus where I normally see them in their pews. And I've kept up my meetings with my friends who, you know, we had a dinner date scheduled, so let's just move it virtually. And It's been really fun just to stay connected. It's brought me a lot of joy. I'm definitely an extrovert. So that connection is just really <laughs> life-giving and critical for me. <laughs> amazing, amazing. And somewhat related, but how do you still live a big life amidst the coronavirus? Oh, that's such a good question too. So I think how you still live a big life is that you don't limit yourself. You know, in a lot of days right now, we're taking life day by day. And there's actually a lot of freedom in that because it's removing expectations or this perfectionism or these things that we put on ourselves, the shoulds that we put on ourselves all the time. So I think we need to remove the shoulds and remove the judgment that we're so tempted to point at ourselves right now 
and just give ourselves a lot of grace. I think to live a big life right now means have grace for yourself, have grace for other people, have grace for the process. We're all beginners at this. No one's an expert at living in a pandemic. Uh, if you are, no. call me. But, you know, we're all beginners and give yourself some grace. And that really goes a long way. Oh, I love that. I love that. I kind of felt like a, like this permission to take a deep breath when you said that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Christy, how can people connect with you or with Rock Recovery? So our website for Rock Recovery is rockrecoveryed.org, and people can find out information on our programs there, our body image therapy groups, individual uh, therapy, and other meal support groups that we do. Follow us on social media. On Facebook, it's Rock Recovery ED, and then Instagram and Twitter is just Rock Recovery. And then me personally, so my full name is Christy Dondero Betway, and you can find me either with some combination of those names across different social media handles. Getting married and changing your name is hard, and I've only kind of inconsistently changed my name. So, um, <laughs> yeah, and we'd love for people to shoot us a note, email us, tag us on social media. We, we, we're definitely all in this together. I know, and you you also do great activities all the time that I'm sure will be reactivated as soon as this is done, like races and, you know, classes, and so that's going to be fun. Yeah, and we actually, it's a great reminder, we do have some workshops that we're doing. We have a coaching workshop in May and a workshop for partners of people with eating disorders in May that are all, all going to be virtual. So check out our website for those events that we've moved virtual. And yeah, we'll definitely resume the In the Flesh events when we're safe and able. That's great. Well, Christy, before we finish, I have like three main takeaways from our conversation very briefly. I think key for everyone is connection, but mostly for people with eating disorders or struggling with food, it's key to stay connected. Very important to be intentional in not isolating and, and continuing to nurture, let's say, our support network. The second one, I love what you said when you said that it's never too late to do the right next thing. So I, I appreciated that one. And it's a message that helps everyone, not only people with eating disorders. And the third one is that diet culture is, is not on, on lockdown. <laughs> so diet culture is still out there and it can be very triggering. And it's important to turn on, as I like saying, your thing is better or your diet culture antenna. So stay, you know, like it's very important to gain, to stay aware of diet culture and how triggering it can be. And to complement what, what Christy talked, I mentioned about the, the resources available at Rock Recovery, I want to, to tell you, to tell our listeners that I'm holding my women's reflection group every two weeks, now virtually, and the next session will take place via Zoom next Wednesday, April 8th at 6.15 Eastern Time. And I also joined a wonderful group of nutritionists, therapists, and coaches who are providing meal support every two hours in Spanish via Comamos Juntos, and instead of an, that's an X, instead of an O, in eh, Juntos. So, sigue esta cuenta si quieres compañía o apoyo durante tus comidas o meriendas. Eh, and we all have a health at every size focus. And for more information, both about the Women's Reflection Group and the Comamos Juntos eh, meal support, you can follow me at at live.well.way. Christy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you to our listeners. And thank you, if you're enjoying it, yeah, Christy, this was great. Seriously, thank you so much for your time. 
and uh, and also thank you so much to to our listeners for joining us. And if you have topic ideas or requests, follow us on Instagram at Ingrid underscore wellness or me, as I said, at live.well.way and send us a DM. Christy, have a great weekend. Thank you so much. You too. All right. Thanks so much.